thanks for inviting me to this base all the way out here in space. I didn't know they had bars here, and it's got a great view. Yeah, you can really see the stars from up here. And we get to watch the spaceships take off. Look, it's Gradius! And there's Rhinex! And Galaga! <gasps> hey, there's Musha! That's a rare sight! <sighs> it really is beautiful here. Whoa! He died fast! Let's look at something else. What else is there to do around this place? Well, there's a jukebox. You wanna play some tunes? Oh, totally. Okay. Why don't you go first? I'll go first. I was gonna go first, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first track that I'm gonna pick comes to us from Patron Will. This is from the game Final Fantasy Tactics. The composers are Hitoshi Sakimoto and Masaharu Iwata, and the track is Antidote. Will says, The games in the Final Fantasy series get a lot of love, deservedly so, but I feel that this game is often left out of the fold. It is by far my favorite of them all. The battle system is amazing, the story is one of the best I've ever played, and the music, oh boy, the music. Since I heard Josh mention this game in a previous episode, I'm guessing he already knows, but for those that haven't listened to the OST to this game, you're missing out. Now it is orchestral, so if that's not your thing, you may not care for it, but I would encourage everyone to give it a shot. I first played this game when it was released in the US in 1998, and it's been one of my favorite games ever since. I found the OST in Chinatown two or three months after I'd started playing the game, and bought it immediately. I still listen to tracks from it regularly almost 20 years later, and it's still as beautiful as ever. The track I recommended is one of my personal favorites, and is one of half a dozen or so battle themes. It starts rather subdued and swiftly builds layer upon layer, until you are almost drowned in a wall of sound, especially if you're listening to it in headphones. Just when you want to turn down your headphones because it's just too much, the loop restarts, ready to build up again. Anyway, I just think this entire soundtrack is awesome and wanted to share. Thanks for doing the podcast, you two. Keep up the good work. P.S. Hmm? Emily. For the love of God, stop trying to cozy up the dungeon. You'll ruin the atmosphere. Try bringing more shackles or something. Maybe a piranha plant or two. Yeah, Emily. Duly noted, Will. Duly noted. I like these ideas. Uh, maybe <laughs> I, I should start too. bringing some stuff from the overworld. Uh, the creepier stuff that I find into the dungeon. That's too funny. That's too funny <laughs> that he put that in there. Yeah, I kind of stopped bringing stuff down there because I thought I was impinging on your vision too much so maybe you know maybe i'll go digging around for some other stuff and see see what i can find 
I do like the pottery, though, that you brought down there. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I break it every time I see it, but, you know, I like that it's there. Yeah, well, it just keeps coming back. That's the thing. Yeah, the blue That's what makes it so special. Um, Anyway, so this song, you have thoughts. I really like this game. I don't know if you can hear, but um, does it sound like a little more chill to you than Final Fantasy games? It does, and I was especially surprised that this is a battle theme. This is very overworld to me, or flying on a dragon, or sailing in a ship. Well, the thing about the battles are, it's like you're kind of in for the long haul. You gotta play this battle, like you have to get your men all the way from your side of the field to the other side, which is actually just like walking around. And then, um, not walking, but, you know, making these strategic moves. So it makes sense that it wouldn't just shock you with uh, that sense of like, you know, random encounter or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, If your adrenaline was kept that high for mm -hmm. 45 straight minutes, probably not the best for you. You know, but also uh, in regards to the story, I also feel like the story is more chill, too, in tactics. Mm. Oh, how interesting. So this is, I I forget what these are technically called, the genre. I mean, strategy game, I guess, but we're talking you're on a grid and different moves hit different squares, that kind of thing. Oh, give me any of those games. Shining Force, Shining Force 2, Final Fantasy Tactics. You've I wish there were Disgaea. more. Have you played Disgaea? No, I don't. Is All right. Like we'll talk about that later. All right. You'll love it. Okay. But yeah, that's a really cool one. There's. I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about here. Oh, how cool that, he, that Will found the OST as he was just out and about in the world. Oh, yeah, Chinatown. I wonder what Chinatown How cool is that? Yeah, that is cool. I don't know that I've ever found a video game OST in the wild. I know I I could find them now, probably, because it's more of a thing. But in 1998, I don't know that I ever saw anything like this. I was clearly shopping at the wrong stores. Yeah, um, you might not find them out there in Boston. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I just think that's cool. And I think that's cool that he found it right after he had started playing the game. Maybe it had always been there. Maybe he hadn't noticed it. But still, that's cool that it caught his eye right as he was in the mix of it. No, I think everything that you buy in Chinatown is just there when you walk by. (laughs) And then after you buy it, it's gone. Like this whole stand disappears. Everything is ephemeral. Oh, it's funny. You have to forgive me. I'm getting over a really bad cold. So if you make me laugh, um, I may go into a disgusting coughing fit. So (laughs) I apologize. Oh, can I say one more thing? Okay. I still think that the 90s just happened. Whenever anyone says, oh, yeah, I played this game in 1998. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was like three years ago. So to have Will mention 1998 and then mention, you know, He's still regularly listening to it almost 20 years later. We're getting old. Yeah, we should uh, talk about that more, but let's talk about it over this next track, maybe. Sure thing. This one was recommended by Mixx Master. (laughs) It's from Fester's Quest. The track is called Outside. And it was composed by Naoki Kodaka and Nobuyuki Hara.
Hello, Mixmaster here. Pronounced Mixmaster. Ha ha ha. With another track for you. I remember being in sixth grade over my friend's house and watching him play this game. I think this is the first game that I thought video game music was more than just music for a game. I was bobbing my head and thinking to myself, this song is awesome. The composers for Sunsaf were really good, and they made other great games like Blaster Master, Batman, and Journey to Silius. Keep the hits coming, guys. Hey, you keep the hits coming, Mixmaster. This I is a great song. I still kind of want to say Mixmaster. Yeah, well. He could be Mixmaster to us. I was going to say that uh, Mixmaster had written... He had submitted two tracks from this game. This was the first one he submitted. And then he actually submitted a second one because he realized that this track outside had been played on the Legacy Music Hour. And he wanted us to play a different one. And I kind of, I went against his wishes. I'm sorry, Mixmaster. I played this one because it was the first one that came to your mind and I thought that was important when you were thinking about your memory. But also, you know, I had said in the beginning that I, we had both kind of discussed that we didn't want to play repeat tracks from the Legacy Music Hour. And yet, we had a couple people write in who were like, nah, don't even worry about that. It's kind of cool to see the tracks ping pong between the two podcasts and, you know, stay true to how you feel. So I don't think we need to worry about that. I think it's okay if people hear repeat tracks. Oh, sure. Um, about that whole time, uh, what would you call it? Like time compression that happened in the, uh, 2000s. Yep. I wonder if it was our age or if there really was a cultural, uh, thing that happened where, um, fashion didn't really progress too much. Not too much music happened. It was all just like technology and things that sped up time. Mm. And... Uh, actually, a writer named Chuck Fosterman wrote about how 1987, uh, like you can remember it better than 2003. Yeah, like that's really interesting. That brings me to another thing that I wanted to bring up about what Chuck uh, about Chuck Klosterman. Actually, it's kind of a coincidence. But I was listening to this podcast called uh, Critical Karaoke. Where they just oh, awesome. listen to music and talk about it. And Closterman um, was on that episode. He was talking about his relationship to the Radiohead album Kid A. Mm-hmm. And he which had, we've mentioned on the podcast before. Which we have, yeah. And he was talking about how he had made this connection in his mind between Kid A and the events of September 11th. Oh, interesting. And that always um, made him think about the album more than if he hadn't done that, I guess. So How interesting. I, how that relates to what we're doing, I think um, he basically he said that artists try so hard to make a connection to and build a bridge to the listener, but if the listener builds a bridge to the artist, then that bridge is unbreakable, basically. And I feel that's what VGM fans are doing. Mm. Because you, I would ha- agree with you. Yeah, you can't find this music unless you build a bridge to it and create your own meaning for it. I think. You know, that's a. Uh, I'm just thinking about that. That's really interesting. I think I get really attached to the songs I do a BGM karaoke for or something, and it probably does have to do with the fact that I invested something to reach out to the to the artwork or something like that. Yeah. Well, I find that um, along these lines, this may be a bit of a tangent. I do find that I remember video games by the time period of my life that I was playing them, and I don't mean just as a kid. I mean... If there was some very significant event that was happening around that time, um, I will think of that every time I play the game, or whenever I think of that time period, I will think of the game. I might have just said the same thing twice. I'm not sure, but I think you get what I mean. Yeah, oh, that's cool. This is going to link into something I'm going to bring up later. We're full of coincidences today. Wonderful. But I'm going to bring that up at the end. All right. So put that in your, in your back pocket. 
in your side pocket. Okay. Let us travel to a place called Animal Crossing. This is going to be from the game Animal Crossing New Leaf. This was recommended to us by patron Bogus Meat Factory. The track is KK Groove Live. The composer is KK Slider or Koji Kondo. Um, and here we go. So here's what Bogus Meat Factory had to say. How can you pick a particular song from the vast library of the musical mastermind K.K. Slider? <laughs> when in doubt, pick Groovy and Funky. Animal Crossing was one of the first games I introduced to my parents to get them interested in gaming. My mother was going through a tough time medically and would spend listless nights playing and exploring the original on the Nintendo GameCube. I remember coming to visit and see her in-game basement filled with fish from the night before as Tom Nook's store was closed in the evening hours. She would rake in hundreds of thousands of bells daily from those late-night fishing trips and would quickly pay off her house only to store more fish. Uh, later, she would get my father involved too and I would come to visit them, seeing them both glued to the TV screen predicting what type of fish they were going to catch. It really was heartwarming to see people form even stronger bonds uh, thanks to video games. Now, being a first-time father with a daughter of my own, I hope to share this amazing game with her as she grows and have a similar experience. So, in honor of those precious moments, I want to select a little extra funk from Animal Crossing and request KK Groove, played by the man himself. Cheers! Enjoy. Oh, that's so a So speaking great of significant connections, that's what this testimonial is all about. Going through a, a rough time period in your life. And yeah. making it better with video games and always remembering that. Oh, especially if you're like, uh, you know, kind of sick or something. I could definitely see enjoying Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, no, I'm pretty restless. I'm too restless to play Animal Crossing. But uh, Oh, yeah? Yeah. If I, I don't know, I feel a little slowed down or something like that, I would love Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Animal Crossing is one of my go-to games for when I am sick. I have Animal Crossing... Uh, oh my god, I can't... I just completely blanked out on the name of it. Because I'm thinking about Animal Crossing New Leaf. Oh, this is terrible. Speaking of getting old, 
and senile. What the heck is the name of the version? It's the first one for the Nintendo DS. This is terrible. Um, what? You can uh, cut this out or you can leave this in so everyone <laughs> can connect with my very human. Oh, it's Wild World. That's what it is. Animal Crossing Wild oh, World okay. is the one that, that I play. And I don't, I don't know. There's something very satisfying about it. And I do love K.K. Slider, so I'm sure it's the same in Animal Crossing New Leaf, but in Wild World, you go to a cafe that's attached to the museum where Blathers is on Saturday nights, and uh, K.K. Slider is there, and he plays a tune for you. Mm. And I love the character. The character's so cute. He says all these things to you like, hey, I hooked you up with a bootleg. Those industry fat cats are just trying to put a price on my music, but it just wants to be free, man. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, K.K. Slider, you're awesome. Anyway. That's cool. Yeah, I remember uh, learning about K.K. Slider. He's like a little frog or something, right? Oh, he's a little dog. Oh, he's a little dog. Okay. Yeah, with a little patch on his on his eye. He's very adorable. And he's always the in the live versions. He's always you know singing with his little voice. That's what you're. That's a little. That's what you're hearing. Yeah. So live just means the character was playing the song in the game. Right. Exactly. So you hear his voice as opposed to the the bootleg he hooks you up with doesn't have his his oh, voice in it. That's funny. Yeah, it's really funny. But I really you know I really love this testimonial. I've been sitting on it for a while. I really wanted to share it because I get sick a lot too. And it's the same thing. Even even if you're really in a bad place, if you can make a connection with this medium that you love, you actually can look back on that time and be happy about it in some way, even though that doesn't seem to make any sense. You know, you were miserable, but the game just meant so much to you that, you know, you're glad that it happened, I guess. Well, I guess I wouldn't say glad that it happened, but you were able to make that experience into something positive somehow. Uh, a lot of painful memories um, are weirdly positive in a way. I don't know what that is about it. Not like emotionally painful, but like physical pain seems to add texture to uh, to a time in your life or something like that. Mm. This is neither... This is not anywhere approaching what you're talking about but i went to costa rica uh with my wife recently and uh i got like a heat rash mm -hmm. and it was very uncomfortable um and i could barely sleep at night but remembering that pain and that discomfort actually transports me back in time like more effectively i don't know what it is Oh yeah, it's more immediate. I mean, pain is a very immediate thing. It's very real and it's very intense and you can't just kind of coast through it. You know, You're very there's... aware of it the whole time. It really cements you in every second. There's a lot of uh, coming of age um, rituals that involve the uh, some kind of circumcision of some kind. And, right, uh, or piercings. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of... I think it's kind of related to that. My uh, One of my teachers was telling me about uh, the Australian Aborigines, and when they first take the kid out to show them where the water, source of water is or something, they do mm. the circumcision then. And it's sort of like oh, this way to help them remember where the water is or something like that. Huh. Yeah, because I guess if you're old enough to remember that, you are not going to forget. Yeah. Ugh. It's a very weird conversation to be having over this track. Yeah. Let's leave everyone on that lovely thought. Every male patron has just had an uh, moment. Sorry, guys. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This next track is recommended from Chris D. It's from a game called Wrath of the Black Manta. Um, it's a title track, and I couldn't find a composer for this, but they might have been somebody working with Taito. Um, Alright, so let's take a listen.
Growing up, I didn't have a lot of games, and among the games I did have, one title I played a lot was Wrath of the Black Manta. Me and my dad would take turns playing and trying to figure out each stage, or if we couldn't play together, then we would tell each other what we discovered in the game. Things ranging from boss fights to just where you were supposed to go. I recently played the game and just listening to the title screen gave me goosebumps as memories came flooding back. It's not the best game the NES can offer, but for me, it will always be great. Thanks guys. Hey, thank you, Christy. Yeah. This is another very personal, emotional testimonial. Oh yeah. It's not I kind of did this on purpose, I gotta say. I sort of picked a lot of testimonials that were, you know, had a lot of heart in them. Mm. I love people playing with their parents. I really think that that is really cool. And also, reading this testimonial brought me back to, you know, I, we were playing video games before you could just go to the internet to figure out where you were supposed to go. And you had to team up with your best friend after school and try to figure out how to beat this boss because you couldn't figure it out. And one of you would do something and the other one would realize from that what you were supposed to do and you would build on each other. Or you would, you know, be waiting for the next magazine to come out to get some kind of tip or something for a level you couldn't beat. It just... I, I like thinking back on that time that was filled with, I guess, anticipation, a lot of it. Yeah. And it wasn't uh, all done, and it wasn't all written up in FAQs. And it's fine that those exist, but, you know, just the fact that, that we couldn't get those back then. No, everything then, was uh, mimetic, or um, everything was, like, um, transferred through storytelling. Mm, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. You had to put your heads together and... And it was, I like when um, kids would like make stuff up about what would happen in the game. Yeah. And uh, like some of those rumors got around. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I, I was gonna say one, but it's a spoiler. Some of them were kind of like uh, a little dirty. Like, oh, did you know you could see um, the princess in the in a bikini or something like that? Right. Right. Oh no, I think there was one about uh, Sing Chun Li. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> but you know, um, when these, you know how there's that uh, Samus in a bikini yeah. graphic or something like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That would have been one that I wouldn't have thought was real, except that I guess it is real. It is real. Actually, something that I think is really interesting about that is if I'm correct, I believe... So, alright, so if we don't know, the faster that you beat the Metroid NES game, the less armor Samus wears. <laughs> so, you know, there is actually the worst... In the worst ending, um, she's in full armor and she kind of turns away from the screen and puts her arm over her head like she's embarrassed that it took that long to save oh. the freaking world. <laughs> you saved the freaking world, Samus! Don't feel bad about it. No one else could do this. But, um, you know, in the second best one, she um, I think she just raises her fist. In the next one, she has her helmet off. And a lot of people still thought it was a dude because with just the helmet off with long hair, she kind of looks like a hair metal band kind of guy or like oh, a, right. a Nordic something or other. But um, I believe I read that this whole thing with Samus being in a bikini at the end was just supposed to be a joke that Samus wasn't intended to be a woman. It was just supposed to be like a, oh, ha, ha Easter egg, funny thing. Oh. But then like the whole, I think, I could be wrong, okay. but I think that that's true. And I think that the world seized on this and just, I love that it became a huge thing that Samus was a woman and then the character was canonized as a woman. And I just, I think that's a really cool story. If that is in fact the true story. Hmm. But anyway. Um, you know what? I can't think of any right now, but I do want to put a call out to uh, any patrons listening right now. Hey, what were some of the uh, rumors that uh, kids were telling about video games that, you know, was getting spread around? Put it in the comments, especially the ones that aren't true. 
Right, right. And this could be ones that were common, or it could just be that one stupid thing that that guy in class told you, because those can be pretty funny, too. Yeah. Well, one of the things I do remember, I think a lot of them turned out to be true, but some of the things that people said about Street Fighter, like um, Guile having handcuffs, or <laughs> Chun-Li uh, throwing her bracelet or something like that, Huh. Some of them had some truth to it, but the way they were described was wrong. Like, the right. kid didn't see it. There really is a glitch where Guile, you can, Guile can make you stick to him, but it's <laughs> not, there's no visible handcuffs. But the way people described it was like he took out handcuffs or something. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny, too, how these rumors can be based on, because some of them obviously are just people making up whatever. But having something that's based on a kernel of truth, but that your excitable child mind just put a huge narrative on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, I'm looking forward to the listeners, the, the patrons, excuse me, writing in with those. That'll be fun. All right. In the meantime, we're going to move on to an interesting recommendation here. I want to lead with something. This was technically sent in by Sean S., but it is not his own testimonial. He found a testimonial on the internet, and he sent it in because he thought it was particularly moving. So I think that's really interesting. So before we listen to the track, this is what um, Sean had to say. He said, maybe not a track suggestion, but I know how M likes stories about video game music in people's lives, and I just felt like sharing this. Um, so we're going to keep this anonymous, and we're going to listen to the track which is from Final Fantasy XI, another Final Fantasy game. The track is Heaven's Tower. And uh, the composers here are Naoshi Mizuta, along with regular series composer Nobuo Uematsu and Kumi Tanioka.
All right, so here's the anonymous testimonial. So the thing is, when I played this game for six solid years, I had a habit of remaking my characters a lot. I never made it past level 35 in those six years because I just enjoyed stopping and smelling the pixelated flowers. Back then, those graphics were good people. My imagination ran wild. I was a little kid, after all. Joined the game at nine years old. I don't know if the Heaven's Tower had any quests in it for high-level players or what. It was just a location nobody ever went to, even on a popular server during a popular era for the game. I remember being wary and even a little afraid of this place. I didn't understand its purpose, and I felt like I somehow didn't belong there. And it wasn't very fun, because I wouldn't meet anyone there. But sometimes I just go downstairs, sit in a corner, and s sleep at my desk. In real life, I often did similar things. I had Asperger's, and I didn't get along with other people very well. So I'd find some secluded empty place and just hide there and stay with my head on my knees until I got bored. Which sometimes would be hours. It was a weird time of my life. I met one of my old teachers at the grocery store the other day, and she said, That wasn't a very happy time in your life. But I don't really know about that. I just enjoyed being in the game more than reality, and that was okay with me. Eventually I met a friend who I stuck with through Final Fantasy XI, Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, and now Final Fantasy XIV 2.0, and soon 3.0. He saw the game just the same as I did. We still don't really have a lot of friends besides each other in the game, but I still enjoy it, and I still think it's fine. Don't worry, though, I'm working harder on becoming a normal quote-quote person now. What a testimonial, huh? Yeah. Um, this hits on so many things we have already talked about. The idea of a difficult time in your life, not necessarily being totally unhappy, enjoying it for what it is or what you can get out of it, making connections with other people through the games and the music, which is what this is. This whole podcast is all about. I just feel like this. there's so much wrapped up in this. Yeah, I had a friend who um, had Asperger's. He was actually my roommate in college, and he was the kind of guy who had drawn entire maps of the Zelda, of the original Zelda game with his dad, and they mm. would bomb every single bush to f see if it was a secret, and they'd like mark in their book that they bombed it. Oh, that's cool. And he also uh, had to g get every Chrono Trigger ending. That was his other thing uh, that he did. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, I have a question about this. I actually don't know what he's talking about. Well, how can you make a friend in a Final Fantasy game? Oh, Final Fantasy XI is multiplayer. Oh. So you're actually, um, you know, it's like World of Warcraft. You're actually on a server with other characters running around. And, uh, you know, I guess people kind of glom onto each other in some way. When I used to play MUDs, mm. that would happen. You would just sort of talk with people. But I think, you know, I never really played MMOs that much. Mm -hmm. I don't know if MMOs facilitate, or I wouldn't say facilitate, but I don't know if it's as easy to make a connection with other people in an MMO because it's not text-based. Because there's so much just talking and conversation in a text-based game because there's mm. that's the whole format. I don't know. I think you definitely can. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you definitely can. I'm just, you know. I have two stories where the connection actually got a little out of hand, actually. Oh, on a can you share these stories? World of Warcraft. Yeah, one of my friends, um, well, one of my friends, he just ended up talking really late on the phone to some somebody on the other side of the country. Actually, I think we, they had the same distance time-wise as you and I. And another friend of mine actually ended up moving in with uh, somebody who she met on... Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. You know, uh, that testimonial gave this track a kind of somber feel, but for a while, I, I thought we were back at the spa. This is mm -hmm. so relaxing. Mm-hmm. I, I like agree. That, uh, that trance, that melody that acts as a more of a drone than a melody yeah. as the uh there's like a solo some different instruments um take this spotlight it's cool yeah 
I really like that testimonial. I do have to say that um, I don't know how to take that last sentence. The don't worry, though, I'm working harder on being a normal person now. Yeah, I mean, it just... Um, it's almost like he's reassuring us that he's doing his his proper duty to us yeah. as the rest of humanity. And I, you know, that makes me feel a little sad because mm. I want him to just be who he is and not feel like he needs to, you know, if it's affecting him <clears throat> and he wants to change, that's one thing. But I hope he doesn't do it for us. Yeah, well, finding the right degree of how to be socialized is important for everybody, I suppose, but I know it's more difficult for people, much more difficult for people with, uh, on the spectrum or Asperger's, so, I don't know. I would just say, I, I echo your, um, empathy, and mm. I just hope he's not working too hard. Oh, and I, I wanted to say one more thing about this testimonial. I read a book a couple of years ago, and I can't remember the title. I'm just forgetting everything. I'll, I'll come up with that later. But it sort of had different chapters about different nerddoms, sort of. And there was a chapter about World of Warcraft, and it was specifically focused on a woman who... I forget what affliction she had, but she couldn't really walk anymore. And she just had this really moving... Uh, statement about what it felt like to play a game and watch her character run through fields and how much that meant to her that she could still somehow vicariously have this experience and how meaningful it was to her to still be able to do those things in a virtual world hmm. that's really cool video games are a lot of things to a lot of people hmm and I love that we are making people aware of that. <laughs> Our patrons know, but, you know, sharing the stories. I'm all, I'm so, I don't know what's with me today. I just feel so mushy. <laughs> I love everybody. I feel so mushy. I love everybody. I love our patrons. Thanks for writing in. I just feel so uh, connected to everybody right now. Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> I know you said, um... Our patrons know it, but you know, even if you've thought about video games a lot, I think I'm always kind of learning new ways of looking at it mm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. If anybody's interested in uh, doing video game analysis, I would be uh, interested in hearing what people have to say, especially if they've read like uh, Neil Postman or Marshall McLuhan or. Uh, Maybe Roland Bart, you know, people who do sort of deconstructive media criticism. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I love reading that stuff. All right. This next song um, is recommended by Sean S. It's from, from the game. Actually, from Sean S. Oh, Sean S. himself. Oh, the, oh, yeah, that's right. So, Sean S., thank you for... Uh, for the anonymous submission, but also thank you for coming in today. This is from the game Ocarina of Time. This is the track Song of Storms. The composer, the composer is Koji Kondo, I think. Yes. Or KK Slider, as he <laughs> is known today. Um, so let's take a listen. Thank you. 
Sean S. writes, A suggestion for a song from a game I don't like didn't come immediately to mind, but after some thought I was able to recall Ocarina of Time. A bit sacrilegious and maybe a bit too well known a track, my story with this game dates back to early 99 when I coerced my parents into getting me this stupidly expensive cartridge <laughs> because it was the new hotness with all the kids in the schoolyard, despite my mother's severe misgivings about the game content. Over a period of several months, I stuck with the game, more creeped out by it than entertained, until the Shadow Temple, at which point I threw up my arms and decided, no, I will not conform to the fickle frivolities of my peers. <laughs> Soon after, I put my N64 and the games I had for it toward a pre-order for the Dreamcast and never looked back. In many ways, Ocarina of Time made me the person I am today. However... In the process of being tortured by its doldrums, I could always count on the windmill as a bastion of phonic harmony. I'd spend a lot of time just listening to this music while Link would spin around and around on the mill with that creepy man watching him from on high, slowly churning <laughs> his organ grinder with a warped grin on his face. Get out of here, young Link. There's also an incredible dubstep. Sorry, there's also an incredible dubstep mix of the song by DJ Afixa up on the YouTube's. Wow. Well, I didn't know Ocarina of Time was supposed to be so creepy. What's? Uh, oh my God! It how is. would a mom know even that there was something up with this content? What is the content? Well, there's a lot. There's a lot actually. The mm. things that come to mind are that in Kakariko Village at some point, actually related to the windmill, I believe. I believe the windmill drains the water and you get to climb down there. You're looking for the Eye of Truth, which mm. is an item that shows you things that don't otherwise appear. And you find out that there's a, um, a dungeon down there, a dungeon <laughs> down there. Uh, but it was a torture dungeon. There's torture devices around down there. There's blood on the floor. Um, I re that was my moment when I was playing this game, and I was like, what? This is not the Zelda that I thought I was getting. Huh. Um, and also, you flip back and forth through time, so you play the game partially as young Link, and you play the game partially as adult Link. In adult Link, Ganondorf has taken over, and the world has gone to heck. And when you first do this, and you come out of the Temple of Time, and you walk through what used to be the, the bustling Hyrule Square with lovers dancing and dogs, adorable dogs following you, there are zombies standing there, and they're just standing there. And as you get closer to them, they very slowly turn towards you and come, t come closer. And if they get within a certain distance of you, the camera like zooms up close on you and you hear this ear-splitting scream and they jump on you and try to like eat you. What? Yeah. It's really intense. One of my best friends growing up loved this game and uh, these those particular zombie monsters would give her nightmares. Oh, there's all kinds of twisted stuff in here. There are these really, uh, there's this really weird enemy in the dungeon sometimes and it's a mini boss I think and a hand comes out of the ground and grabs onto you and holds you in place while this thing kind of slinks towards you with a really long neck and a it's it's one of those situations where it's a design that innately creeps you out it just huh. really bothers you because it's so wrong you know like really elongated limbs and stuff or like the way it moves it's just not right Sounds like uh, they were inspired by Silent Hill or something, which is kind of weird. Yeah, you know, I really wonder why. I mean, I really thought of Ocarina of Time as being like a... I don't want to say grown-up Zelda, but it was very mature. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, now I kind of wish I could play it. Maybe I could. Maybe I will. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you should. Hmm. I really enjoyed it. I did play it quickly, though. I, um, again, this best friend, the same best friend. Um, I didn't want to buy it because it was too expensive, but I wanted to be able to play it. And it was her favorite game ever. And she let me borrow it, but she only let me borrow it for a week. 
So I actually, this was actually, you know, at the point where you could go online and print out walkthroughs. And I printed out a walkthrough and I basically followed the walkthrough just so I could be able to cram through the game <laughs> in a week yeah. and have the experience of playing it. And you know what? I know people are sometimes down on walkthroughs and stuff, but that was still like a really incredible, moving, important experience for me to play through the game that way because I still really had a blast. Huh. Well, that's And the song is... I think it might be fun to play a walkthrough where it's like, my goal is to follow this walkthrough all the way through. That might be Mm. fun. I think it's less fun when uh, maybe you just use it on one part that you kind of get stuck on because then you feel like you cheated or something on one part. I don't know. There's a, um, a message board that I'm a member of. I've been a member of for... Oh gosh, I guess five years now. For retro gaming, we talk about other things, but it's called Racket Boy. So if you guys want to come hang out with me, racketboy.com, it's a good place. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we have, there are a lot of really interesting, deep cultural discussions about video games that happen on this message board. And somebody brought up the term cultural tourism that some people play games because they want to have the experience of the culture of the game and it's it's not that they go into it not with the point of triumphing or beating it or succeeding or proving anything about their abilities they really just want to have the experience of the game and so you know i guess that's one thing that uh 3d games are good at or you know but I almost, I usually don't like 3D games, so I, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe an overhead view game. You know what game you should play? Uh, Crusaders of Senti. That is a cool word, world to visit, I think. I'll have to put that on the list. I'll look into it. All right. Go on some cultural tourism. Yeah. I really do love that term, though, because I think that's absolutely legitimate. I don't care if you're a good gamer or not. All I care about is the fact that you really like this game that you're playing. And I think that you are allowed to enjoy it any way you want. Some, you know, this, I'm going to discuss this with you on a later episode, but... Okay. Oh, well, maybe not, since we are on the base in space and everything. Um, But here's the question. uh, You know, speaking of worlds, game worlds and stuff like that, some game worlds seem kind of... uh, possibly a little superficial like or there's not too much of a storyline going on in it for example a lot of shooting games like right. um gradius or something mm-hmm. but would you consider gradius to be science fiction i mean my gut reaction is yes why wouldn't i consider it science fiction? but you don't consider star wars to be science fiction no, it's science fiction. Oh, you do? Okay. But so, it's adventure science fiction. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Star Wars definitely does have some mystical magicness going on in it. Okay, so you'd consider Gradius to be more legitimate science fiction than Star Wars. I feel like I'm stepping into a very dangerous <laughs> trap right now. <laughs> what right. are you doing here? No, I'm just curious. I just wanted to know if you thought. I Gradius will say was... that I think that Star Wars has very strong fantasy elements. Yeah. Uh, and I think it is more rooted in the trappings of fantasy than science fiction. What do you think about the part in Gradius where the volcano starts blowing up and you have to defend against it? What caused that volcano to go off? I don't know. I have not played Gradius. Is that a yeah? Is that your enemy fighting you, or is suddenly there's just a volcano? That's what I don't. Huh? Maybe it's just you against nature, and there is no good or bad. It's just well, you know, a natural force. It seems like with Gradius, there is somebody else's building ships that are meant to destroy you or something like that, but um. Some of the times it does feel like you're fighting a larger biological force, although not as much as in life force, where sometimes it seems like you're inside of a giant organism. Yes. Okay, so I've seen life force scared me as a child, 
I have a Nintendo Power that features Mega Man 2, which also had really disturbing graphics, by the way. Dr. Wily looks really creepy with red eyeballs. Mm. Um, but there were pull-out maps of Life Force, and in one, in one of them you're, um, I guess, traveling up a skeleton, and the end boss is the skeleton's head with like these bloodshot eyes and stuff. So freaked out by this as a child. So obviously now I have to play it. This is a common theme with me. <laughs> and I've also just, you know, only within the last few years, I've really gotten into shooters. So Gradius is kind of the classic one. I got to get on that. I'll play Life Force too. Yeah, I just got it like this past year and I do find myself firing it up quite a bit. That's very cool. I feel like I was going to say something else about that. <laughs> Too bad. Do you consider Mag Max to be science fiction? Uh... <laughs> no. Really? Why? <laughs> There's no story. It doesn't make any sense. You're building a robot. Oh, I guess so. Like, um, some... Here's the... Here's what's weird about all those games where there's power-ups, like, embedded in the, uh, in the level or, like, mm. inside the enemies. It's like, did you have, like, uh, like the CIA or something planting these little bonuses for you before yep. you even got there? It's like, it doesn't make any sense. So I gotta tell you, on, on that note... I've actually written a karaoke. I've had this karaoke written for maybe years at this point to oh, a Thunder Force it. 3 track, uh -huh. which does mention power-ups being there for no good reason. And I haven't recorded it yet because I can't decide if I should get a dude to do it. It just seems like a, a song that a dude should do. Um, hey. I don't think I, I don't have the... You know what? Does anybody want to sing this song for Emily? I... Oh my god! That would be so cool! Patrons! I need a guy who would be interested in singing along to a Thunder Force 3 track. So have a listen and see if you think that you could kind of pull off the, you know, quasi-metal hairband going on there. And, uh, you know, send us an email, which is a good segue, right, mm -hmm. into, the end of our, into the end of our show. That's right. Uh, you can email us, as always, at thevgmjukebox at gmail.com. We want to thank everybody for hanging out with us. Will, Mixmaster, Bogus Meat Factory, Chris D, Anonymous, and Sean S. And Maxwell, we want to apologize profusely for leaving you out of our uh, end cap list in the last episode. We will have something special for you, but um, it can only happen in the dungeon. That's right. So you got to wait a little <laughs> bit. I'm sorry, but... Hopefully it'll be worth it. But we got you a key, so uh, visit us in the dungeon for something very uh, special. And yeah. we also want to thank everyone else who's written in and submitted suggestions. Keep them coming. Kick, click the Suggest a Track button on the right-hand side of the vgmjukebox.blogspot.com. Fill out the survey and send your recommendation our way. Guess what, everybody? If you haven't heard, you can follow us on Twitter... We are at VGMJB. And if you want, you can find Josh on Twitter. And we now know his Twitter handle. I, I figured it We've out. We've done the research. It's at Josh Adachi again. That's Josh A-D-A-C-H-I again. And you can find Emily at Keyglyph. That's at K-E-Y-G-L-Y-P-H. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher, and please remember to rate and subscribe us at the iTunes store. I'm still offering bribes here. Yeah. I got a, I got a lot of gold coins. Josh has deep pockets, guys. Okay. So he's just, he's just giving it all away, so get on it. Mm. I made oh, my... and we also have another announcement. Oh, what is that? We have... All right. So one particular patron had been asking us to make a Facebook page, I think a few times. And when we finally, one day we just sat down together and we said, you know what, we're going to make a Twitter. Let's make a Twitter. And we just did it. And that same afternoon, 
um, this patron wrote back and said, now you should have a Facebook page so that everybody can talk. And we said, we're going to do it. So the same afternoon, we made a Facebook page. So everybody, you can also find us on Facebook. Um, we don't really know how we're going to be handling the Facebook page at this point, but I think really it'll be a good way for all of you people to network. It'll be your VGM LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. You can chat and such. Um, so you can go ahead and do that. And I believe the, the page is just... Um, Facebook.com slash the VGM jukebox, as thank it's you. spelled. And, uh, or you could just probably search Facebook. I don't know. I would actually try the uh, address way, though. Yeah. Because I think we'll... I don't know if Facebook, the search engine, will find us very well right now. Because we have, what, one follower? Yeah, exactly. Other than you? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so I guess, you know, we've we've decided to dive into the social media thing, and we'll see where it takes us. Hopefully, right back to video games. As always. I really want to find the, the name of this patron who is asking for the... Uh, Facebook page. Okay. Just one second, because I feel like that should be mentioned. Mikey Mick, also known as Zombie Mike or Zombie Mike. So, uh. Did he make a. Thanks, thanks Mike. Hmm? I don't remember that name. Well, I, sometimes I can't. Sometimes I can tell when patrons are patrons. I can kind of figure out who they are based on their email. Um. Not sure who Mike is, but um, we're glad to have you aboard. And it would be interesting to find out if you were actually one of our regular um, senior patrons. <laughs> <laughs> but I just can't tell. But uh, so really, uh, Mike was responsible for, um, you know, lighting the fire under us and getting us on these newfangled social media endeavors. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Well, so I think, is that it? Next week, we'll be in the dungeon. That's where we like to hang out uh, on the off weeks. But in two weeks from now, you can find us right back here at the bar. Well, maybe at a different bar. I don't yeah, have you enough. Know, um, do you know how we're getting home? <laughs> I don't know. It seems a little dangerous. <laughs> 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 Maybe we didn't think this one through. We have to fly one of these spaceships down. Um, I don't know. We got to find out what model that one was that didn't make it and not get in that one. Maybe we can bribe some enemies to just leave us some power-ups or something along the way. Maybe a free something man. like that. Yeah. Maybe we can get one of those uh, biohazard ships that's really a living ocean creature to ferry us home because since that's a living creature I feel like they'll take care of us um I would do that but you know I don't think um I'm I'm not ready to make the transition to polygon graphics ah uh, yeah that's a personal mm. thing yeah well, well I mean give me some time and I can piece a robot together alright with okay. a lightsaber and we can walk our way home that sounds like a plan alright so I'll just be over here, and I'll hopefully I'll have that built by uh, next week. All right, sounds good. All right. See ya. Bye. <laughs>